Let me paint you a picture. Australia, once known as one of the safest and freest countries in the world. A land of spirit and ceremony. A land of opportunity where the hopeful came for a new start so their children could be free and prosperous. Where the battler had a chance and poor men made good. A land where you were free to explore your surroundings. A land with room to spread one's wings. A land of brotherhood, celebration and connection. A land where you came to visit and didn't want to leave. A land of privacy rights, medical rights, freedom of speech, freedom of movement, freedom to protest, freedom to worship, thanks to their sacrifice. But something happened. Today is the first full day of the New World Order. We've got to accept that this is the New World Order. The New World Order and the Australia we once knew is no more. Lockdown 6 was announced on August 5. It is no longer the land of the young and free. It is now a land of division, blackmail, coercion, discrimination and medical apartheid. Get away from me! A land where movement, speech, religion and opinion are no longer free. Protesting is illegal. Police must enforce corrupt policies to keep their jobs. As I won't be a police officer after the end of this interview. Police shoot protesters in the back while they are running away. This is Australia! Doctors and nurses cannot speak. They will lose their licence. I can't really talk about that. People have lost their jobs because they don't want the injection. Children are missing school and attempting suicide at a high rate. We need to show our papers to go shopping. If you want freedom, get the jab. We can't travel across state borders unless we apply for permission to. Members of parliament are censored and defamed. 100% of those studies... It's so a conspiracy theory. Pregnant women are arrested for a social media post. Search warrant. Search warrant for war. Activists who fight for democracy are imprisoned. The moment you're under arrest for incitement. Our human rights are gone. Our human rights are gone. It's time that we take off the COVID blinkers and look at what's happened to our once great and free country. Australia can no longer fight for itself. We have been silenced, assaulted, blackmailed and psychologically damaged. We tried to fight this battle alone. The government has instilled so much fear that we have lost our vigour to fight. We are a broken nation and although we will never give up, we need your help to continue our fight. We need help from our international friends. We are seeking your support to apply political and economic pressure on our leaders to change the destructive path that we are on. That is why we are organising a worldwide protest with Australia excluded in support of our plight for freedom. This is an official SOS from my beautiful country we plead with you to hear our cries for help. I wanted to show you the video 
not so that we could march, but I think we need to support them. But we're not too far away from where they are. For too long, the churches have stood silently in the corners. For too long, the churches had became or have tried to look as if as the community around it looks. Whenever we look into Ephesians chapter 6 and we look at verse 14, last week we talked about the belt of truth. We're going to look at 14b. In 14b, uh, you know, it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I want you to see and I want you to think about this. Okay, whenever we look at the breastplate of righteousness, Paul is giving us and helping us to understand this in a way as far as a, a battle because we are in a battle, but it's also because his, uh, you know, the church that he was writing this to would have this imagery in it because the Roman soldiers would have been visible and very well known as far as in the times of battle that they were supposed to wear, or they always wore this breastplate. So Paul is giving us this illustration so that we can understand that the breastplate is supposed to protect the heart and supposed to protect the lungs and all of the vital organs that's within that. But whenever we look at the Jewish tradition, the heart and the lungs and that breastplate it is supposed to be, and what it is covering, it is covering the, you know, the person's emotions and the, post, and the person's uh, you know, fears is all encased within that, okay? That yes, it is protecting our heart as in what our heart feels. It's the emotions that we receive from the heart, but the heart pumps the blood and the blood is the life source for the body without the heart pumping the blood there is no life within the body so we must protect that right so we have this and we see this I, I, I also want to I want to help you and I want you to picture this okay there is no way that we can live in a pig pen and not become dirty like the pigs, right? I want you to see this. I want you to get this understanding, okay? We, the church, we Christians, we believers, there again, in, in Ephesians 1, 2, 3, 4, in the first part of, and 5, in the first part of 6, it tells us the life that we're supposed to live. And if we're living that life, we're not in the pig pen. We are not mingling and we're not mixed with society. We are different. There is a reason why we are different. We are God's chosen people and we are set apart for Him so that we can be the light into this world. If you bathe with pigs, you begin to look like pigs. I, I kind of think about this as well. I don't know about y'all, but I grew up in the deep of a shot, so I've never killed a deer. I've killed two rabbits in my life. I've killed a bunch of squirrels. Uh, you know, so uh, you know, I say I go hunting, and yeah, I, so I, I go hunting. But you know, the hunting dogs. 
Okay, they go running through the woods and stuff and they chase the rabbits. Rabbits really aren't all that smart. I don't know if y'all know this, but wherever a dog jumps a rabbit, that rabbit will circle back around to that exact spot. So wherever the dog jumps the rabbit up, you just simply go and stand there because he's coming right back. You can stand close to a dog and really not be a dog, but you're still going to get the fleas from the dog that's on him, right? If you stand too close for too long, you're going to get the same fleas that the dog gets. We cannot look like the world. If we continue to hang out and to stand by the world and do the worldly things, we as believers and as the church will begin to look like the world. We will lose our saltiness. So we need to protect ourselves from that. So Paul uses the illustration here that we have as far as a breastplate because it's familiar to them. I want to let you, I want to talk to you about that this morning Whenever we look at this, the breastplate of righteousness is not just simply something that we need to put over our breast. It's not something that we need to wear from our shoulders to our waist. That's not what it's talking about here. That's the illustration. That's the vision that we have. But what we need to look at and see today is that not only do we need it to cover our chest plate from our shoulders to our, you know, to our waist, but we should be wrapped in holiness we should be wrapped in righteousness our whole body needs to be wrapped in righteousness our legs our feet our hands our chest our head every single part of us should be wrapped in holiness and in righteousness Paul is not giving us this illustration as far as self-righteousness. You get it? You understand it? So we are wrapped in righteousness or we are wrapped in holiness. He is calling us to a holy lifestyle. It is not a self-centered righteousness or a self-holiness. A lot of us put that on. A lot of us put on the righteousness that is self, as in, man, I look good today. I do look good today. I've got anchors on my shirt. I've got anchors on my socks. I'm anchored down. Self-righteousness is talking about it and dealing with this. And us as Christians, we can get into this because we do God's work. And what's going to happen is, is if we don't do it for the right reason, we begin to pat ourselves on the back and we begin to expect God to reward us because I have done something. God, look how good I am. Shouldn't you be rewarding me? Right? Come on now. We can really get silly with this, right? Uh, you know, God, I, you know, I have been to church every single Sunday for the last six months. I think I need a new car. My other one's struggling, and it, you know, well, no, our other one isn't struggling. 
But right, uh, you know, we, we look at things and by the way and by things that we do and how we walk and how we live our lives, we expect God's blessings. Self-righteousness. The problem with self-righteousness is, is that we feel that we're righteous. Therefore, we don't have to repent to become righteous with God. We think we already have it. And that's a dangerous place to be. Self-righteousness. Paul's not talking about self-righteousness. Paul's not talking about the righteousness that is contributed or that is inputted on us by God. I want you to see this. That our righteousness that we receive or that we have is, is not the righteousness or that Paul's talking about is not the righteousness that we receive whenever we're saved. See, all believers, right? All believers, whenever we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He bestows upon us His righteousness. I should get an amen or, or an all right. You know, please throw up a sign or something. Let me know that you understand that. That is not the righteousness that Paul is talking about because we can't put something on that we already have. We have it as believers. God's righteousness is bestowed upon us, is given to us. And we live our lives through His righteousness. But the righteousness that we see and that we have here is the righteousness that we receive or that is a holy lifestyle. It is what God gives to us in what we receive or, or what we put on by how we live our lives. Matthew chapter 5 verse 20. It says, but I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. The righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that self-righteousness. They were righteous because of the laws that they followed or they adhered to. It was not the righteous of a righteous living as in living God's word. Jesus is telling this to his disciples our own righteousness, even as believers, is nothing more than filthy rags. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says, I, or it says, we are all infected with impurity, with impure. I'm putting words in there that's not supposed to be there, so I'm going to slow down a second. We are all infected. And impure with sin. We will display our righteous deeds. Or when we display our righteous deeds. They are nothing but filthy rags. 
like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the winds. It's not our righteousness that we live with. It's not our righteousness as in our self-righteousness that we stand on. It's the righteousness of God. In Romans chapter 4, verse 6, David tells us this, and he declares this, or not sorry, it's spoken of David. It says, David also spoke of this when he declared the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. This is that righteousness that God bestows upon us in our time of salvation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that, when, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So you get this? I finally found, my notes are laid out wrong, so I don't know who laid out my notes, but I finally found my page that has those passages of Scripture to help us out with the righteousness. And this is the righteousness that is inputted or bestowed upon us by God and by believing in Him. God's righteousness that we have is the basis for us as Christians, as we live our lives and our Christian living, it is protected or it protects us from hell. It doesn't, it, but it does not in itself protect us from Satan and his in this present life. The breastplate of righteousness that we put on as spiritual armor against. Our adversary is the, is the practical righteousness of a life lived in obedience to God's word and entire sanctification or a holy lifestyle or Christian holiness. That is what Paul is, is talking to us and, and is giving us and telling us about. We find that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 through 27. I think I'm just going to read verses 23 and 24 for you. It gives you a, an understanding of it. It says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly Righteous and holy. It is our obedience and what God has for us. And it's our obedience to the word of God and how we live that out in our lives. And that is the righteousness that Paul is talking about. It is a right living. It is a sanctified life. It is Christian holiness that we walk and that we live in. This is not the righteousness that is bestowed upon us from God's righteousness that Paul is talking about in the breastplate of righteousness that we have here. So do you understand the breastplate 
and the righteousness. It's not self-righteousness. It's not the righteousness that is bestowed upon us by God in our salvation. But it's the righteousness that we have because we live out the word of God in our lives. That is the righteousness that we must wrap ourselves with. Not just the breastplate, but our feet, our legs, our head, our hands, our arms, our whole body is supposed to be wrapped in this. And if we are wrapped in the righteousness, in the right living, in the holy living that we are called to live because God is holy, therefore we must be holy. If we live in that righteousness, then we do not look like the world. We look, we look different from the world. And in that difference that we have in the world, we are then able to be His hands and His feet guiding and directing this lost and dying world into a relationship with the living and risen Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't do that if we're not living a righteous life. I listened to some scriptures and I listened to a prayer this morning. And I have to disagree. Okay, you know, scripture talks about a lukewarm or talks about lukewarmness and how God had rather us be cold or hot he doesn't want us to be lukewarm. If we're lukewarm, He's going to spew us out of our mouth. I want you to understand and I want you to see this. There is nothing such as a, of a lukewarm Christian and there is nothing such as a cold Christian. You are either a hot, passionate Christian standing on the Word of God, standing separated from the world, or you are not a Christian. Do we get this? Whenever he spews the lukewarmness out of his mouth, that lukewarmness that he spews out is no longer a part of God or a part of Jesus Christ. So we cannot say that I'm a lukewarm Christian. We cannot have our foot partly in the world and partly in heaven and say, I'm going to make it. It's not going to happen. We are, only, we, are, we are either standing firm on the foundation of Jesus Christ or we're not. Scripture tells us that we can't have two masters. You either believe and trust in one or you hate and hate the other or you hate the other and love the other one. That tells us that it's not lukewarmness. I don't kind of love my wife. I love my wife, or I don't love my wife, right? I, I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength, or I don't. It's, it's not an in-between. There's only one that we can worship. We either worship the creator of earth, heaven and earth or we worship heaven and earth which one you want to I'm going to worship the one that created it 
I'm not going to worship what he created. I'm going to worship the one that created it. A holy life that we're called to be. See, Paul tells us that we have to deal with the truth first and we have the truth that's girded around us because Satan is so good at the lies. Right? You know, he can, he can make a lie sound like it's a truth unless we know the real truth. And then we stand upon the real truth. But in standing upon the real truth, we understand that we're called to a holy life. We're called to be set apart we're called to be different. We're called to do things completely different than what this world does. You know, we, we have so many people. We have so many times and so many opportunities that God has given to us to to be able to witness to other people. But we're not ready. I, I've heard some people talk about uh, you know, preaching and being ready to preach God's word or to speak in season and out of season. We must be ready to, to speak the truth of God. But if we look like a pig and we smell like a pig, do you think they're going to hear the words that we're saying if we're speaking the words of God? Or are they going to hear those words? They might listen to you. And then they're going to walk away and they're going to say, wow, what a hypocrite. And our words are not going to have any effect whatsoever. That, that has me to think about this, the seed. We've talked about the seed sower and who the seed sower is, and we've talked about the soil that he sow or that he sows the seeds in. But what about the seeds that we sow? Are we sowing the right seeds? Are we spreading holiness? Or are we spreading almost holiness? Are we spreading a Christian lifestyle? Or are we spreading a compromise? breastplate of righteousness living a holy life there's four things that we can guarantee will happen to us if we do not wear the breastplate of righteousness first thing and I need to get through this. First thing that we will lose or that we fail to have if we do not wear the breastplate of righteousness is that we will lose 
our joy. If we are not covered, if we are not living a holy lifestyle before God, we will lose our joy. 1 John chapter 1 verse 4 says, We are writing these things to the, so that you may fully share our joy. The joy in our life is the salvation of God. We have joy because we are saved and we are His children. David in Psalms 150 verse 12. After David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and ordered the death of her husband Uriah, he says, or he calls out in this great Psalms of repentance, and he calls for God to restore his joy. Restore the joy of salvation in my life. The second thing that we lose in this life here is the fruit. If we do not wear the breastplate of righteousness or we do not wrap our whole body within the righteousness of God in a holy living, we will live a life that is fruitless. You might have and you might see some things that, are, that happen in your life. Especially whenever we're looking at self-righteousness and working in the church and patting ourselves on the back. There's a lot of times that programs within the church will actually flourish just simply because they're interesting things and they're good things. But if they're not done within the righteousness and the holiness of God, they are producing no fruit. The lives that are affected... And the things that's done, nine times out of ten, you look at those at the end of the thing, and they're just simply void of anything. It's just a shell. The third thing that we can lose by not being prepared and living a righteous life or having this breastplate of righteousness on us is that we lose the reward that we receive from God Himself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, whatever is worthy, or whatever is worldly, fleshly, or uh, fleshly, believers, believer does whatever the worldly, fleshly believer does will never amount to anything worthy of the heavenly praises. It is no more than wood, hay, or straw in God's sight. And when he faces the Lord, his worthless or his worthless works or work will be burned up and his reward forfeited. Did you hear the words? If we're not living 
a righteous and holy life, we forfeit the rewards from our Heavenly Father. The fourth thing that we have here. Unholy living brings reproach on God's glory. I want you to see this because we, we live a holy life. And we obey the commands of God to glorify God. Not to glorify ourselves. But if we are not living a holy life, then we are not glorifying God. If we're living a self-righteous holiness or life, we are not living a life that is glorifying God. Titus chapter 2 verse 10. The greatest evil of the Christian of a Christian's sin is in its ineffection in its in its reflection on his heavenly father. Unholiness fails to adorn the doctrine of God our savior in every respect. In every respect. We don't have that. Today, in, in closing, we, we, I want us to see this and the, important, the importance of living a holy lifestyle before God and before all the people in this world. It is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to wrap our hands, feet, legs, waist, torso, head, in righteousness, in holy righteousness, we do this out of obedience and we live out of obedience to God. In Romans chapter 13, verse 12, I would ask that everyone would stand with this. I want to read this as Chris comes up to play as the altar is open for you this morning. This is where we are. I, I give you all of these things and all of these passages of Scripture telling you how we're supposed to do this and what the breastplate of righteousness is for. The call of us today that we see this here is that we see and we need to understand that the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. The day of salvation will soon be here. I say today is the day of salvation. It's here for you today. And then he goes on and he says, So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. So that's where we are today. We as believers, we need to be wrapped in righteousness. We need to be living a Christian lifestyle before everyone. We should be set apart from this world. We should be standing firm on the foundation of God. We can't straddle the rope. We can't want to be part of the world and part of God. We need to be all for God 
or we're not. We need to take that darkness, those self-righteous deeds, and we need to take them off as if they're filthy, filthy rags. And we need to put on the shiny armor of God. And that's only given through the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. And the altar is open for you this morning if you have gotten out into the world. If you look and you search in your life and you say, you know, I have been living too long with the pigs. I haven't been standing firm for God. Today's the day to remove that and to don the shining armor of righteousness. Verse 14, it says this, Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and do not let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Change the thought process. Clothe yourself with the righteousness of God. The altar's here for you this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, ask God to search your heart. Do you find yourself this morning being a lukewarm Christian? Do you find yourself this morning holding to the fleshly desires? The altar's open for you this morning to receive the Holy Spirit, to dawn the shiny breastplate of righteousness, to throw off the old things of this world walk the life for Christ. The altar's open. Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear Lord, for, for today. God, I thank you for each person that is here. God, I pray, dear Lord, that your words that were spoken this morning, dear Lord, that they will not go out void. And God, that they would resonate in the hearts and the lives of the people that have heard it today. God, I pray, dear Lord, that even if they were not able to come to the front, God, that they still, dear Lord, looked at these words and they, they threw off the world and the filthy rags of this world. And God, that we now don the shiny breastplate of righteousness as we go out and as we live this life holy unto you. And God, that through this life, we glorify your name. 
Jesus' name. Amen.